it's really really changed things for me because for example my joints they're really unstable and because I couldn't do exercise I couldn't make them more stable um because I couldn't do the things that you need to do which is like build up the muscles around them um and now I can do that so like overall my pain is a lot less um in general so it's just it's definitely um changed a big thing about my my body for for sure Welcome to Poll the Other One. I'm your host and dead beetle impressionist, Shandoxy. In this episode, I'm talking to George Lubon, who is a queer pole dancer, musician, visual and performance artist, living with and making work about chronic pain. We talk about what it's like to pole dance with invisible disabilities, making art from negative experiences, and how pole has changed their practice to be healthier and happier in other areas of their life. I'm going to tell you now that we also talk a lot about our spiritual sexy stick leader, Iris Sparkles, who is the lead instructor at Queer Pole London. Iris, you're great. We love you. And if it's this level of parasocial bullying that it takes to get you on the show, oh baby, it's what I'm going to do. Content warning for a reference to sexual assault at approximately 25 minutes into the show. If that's not what you want to hear about, you can pause the episode and stop right there. If you're enjoying this and would like to help me keep making the show, you can support the podcast by becoming a patron by going to patreon.com slash shandoxy. You can buy the pod a coffee or give us a shout out on social media. That is always brilliant. We love it. Thank you. For now, here's George Liu. The subtext of this whole project is a love letter to Iris Sparkles and Queer Pole London, and I'm not making any apologies. I miss it so much. It's really nice to just like see your face. It, like it's just nice. You do multiple things, but let's start at the very beginning. How did you begin pole dancing? So one of my partners um, was already doing the queer pole classes and just was like you should come along because Iris and I both have similar joint problems and I hadn't been doing any exercise for years and years um, and then partner found out that we had the same joint problems and then was like you should come because then maybe Iris can help you and and then I did. So the knowledge there was an instructor who had the same setup made you feel yeah. safe going to the classes or like it would it would be feasible? Yeah, because I'd like, I tried to go, I think like a year before that, I'd tried to go to a Pilates class um, because that's like the thing that people recommend when you are not like, your body's not as, um, what word shall I use? Happy as it could be. Mm. Um, and it like knocked me out for like two weeks. So uh, f- from then I was just like, no, uh, this is not, it's not going to work. But then like just seeing somebody else who was doing exercise and it hadn't knocked 
them out um, was vaguely encouraging. Have you found that pole dancing has changed anything about you as a person? It's really, really changed things for me because, for example, my joints, they're really unstable. And because I couldn't do exercise, I couldn't make them more stable um, because I couldn't do the things that you need to do, which is like build up the muscles around them. Um, And now I can do that. So like overall, my pain is a lot less um, in general. So it's just it's definitely um, changed a big thing about my my body for for sure. I think I think that's probably the main thing. I'm trying to think there's there's definitely other things. Um, I suppose like body confidence as well, uh, because I just don't think I would have ever spent so long staring in a mirror at, <laughs> at myself half naked um, before. I think it would have just been too too difficult. And I think, I don't know, this is another Iris thing because she's so awesome. She just like made it so easy to be, I don't know, jiggling in maybe not the most aesthetically pleasing way but she just like went with it and I don't know uh yeah definitely body confidence has has increased also yeah I've really found in those classes there's never like a rigid expectation of what moving nicely would look like it was like enjoy moving and that'll be cool (laughs) make it your own so um as you mentioned, you've been living with joint issues and you've talked a lot on Instagram about living with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Am I saying it correctly? Yes. Yeah, that's cool. Right. And also multiple sclerosis. Would you mind explaining what these are and what the effect is on your everyday life? Yeah, sure. Um, so Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, uh, I have type three, which is um, means that basically my connective tissue Uh, So like the stuff that holds together your skin and your joints and your blood vessels is too stretchy. Um, So basically, like I dislocate my joints all the time um, or partially dislocate them. And other things like blood pools in my feet, which makes me very lightheaded or I faint um, reasonably regularly. Uh, Mm. So that's that's the Ehlers-Danlos syndrome or EDS. Um, The multiple sclerosis is a bit newer. So Ehlers-Danlos syndrome is genetic. So I had that from day one of of being born (laughs) into this world um I wasn't diagnosed until later but uh I always had that but multiple sclerosis is not genetic um that's something that I only sort of got diagnosed with reasonably recently um which is an autoimmune condition which basically means that your own immune system starts attacking some part of your body Uh, and for multiple sclerosis that part is like basically the fatty sheath around your nerves uh so like you can imagine it like a wire the plastic bit that goes around the wire um so that just means that the nerves themselves get damaged over time which does things like so like the particular kind of ms i have is the kind that like it's called relapse remitting so it like you get loads and loads of symptoms and then they slowly fade off maybe not completely and that happens like multiple times a year um so like the sort of the reason I got diagnosed is because my body went numb like shoulders down Uh, I just couldn't feel anything I could walk and things but like I don't know like if I was holding an object and forgot to focus on it I would just drop it because I wasn't getting the feedback um in my brain that I was holding an object was made (laughs) I don't know like washing the dishes very interesting um wow so it kind of scrambles the messages from your muscles to your brain yeah um so it happens in the spinal cord Um, and the brain Uh, so basically you just don't get the messages to your brain that say 
something is touching you. Um, you have a which, dodgy Zoom connection with your yes. own body. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah, and like, I don't know, like a few months ago, like I started losing vision in one of my eyes because the connection between my eye and my brain started messing up and then it's mostly come back. Um, but yes, so that's the MS. So they're quite different, um, but they both have sort of similar effects in that they both cause pain. So that's sort of the same um, with both of them, but also quite different because like you can't really control MS at all um, based on like the things you do. Whereas like having joints, as I mentioned, you can do things like build up the muscle around your joint so that you dislocate them less. So they have sort of varying effects um, on my day to day. Did that all make sense? Yeah, um, completely. And um, with the experience of the pain, is it completely debilitating? Do you have to just like block out time just to recover from it or does it vary? Oh, it varies massively. So like, I think there's not, there's always a low level of pain and that's particularly from the EDS just because my body's like, even like my insides, they're probably all in the wrong place just because they're too flexible. Um, so generally it's just pain. Um, I wouldn't say the EDS ever causes like blind out, do nothing pain. Um, it's sort of like, I can't do anything except relocate my joint pain. Um, but you can still function through it. And by function, I mean things like talk to people and maybe not walk, but like interact with the world in a semi normal way. Mm. Um, whereas the MS is, they can have like blind out awful pain. Like I think, uh, it's the difference between like nerve pain and other kinds of pain so like when your nerves hurt there's like nothing you can do because it's the nerves themselves the things that register pain so if they're screaming at you like something's wrong there's uh it's quite horrible but mm. i'm on some nerve blockers so like i can't feel that uh, at the moment which is nice uh because you know that that's really debilitating it seems like a real contradiction that more exercise would lead to more manageable levels of pain but is that what you ended up finding out yes and no like yes by this point um mm. but it's taken like a few years for that to be the case like i the the thing about having uh joints that are too lax is that like basically you have to be kind of focused on keeping them in their sockets like all the time for your the motions that you're doing so like I don't know, like over the pandemic, I've kind of forgotten how you're supposed to walk long distances without dislocating your hips, which has been very annoying. Um, but for pole, basically I've had to learn how to do each pole move without dislocating something, um, which was why Iris was super, super helpful because obviously she'd already been through that and knew how to do that to some extent on her body, not on necessarily on mine. Um, but so like, yes by now I've learned enough about how to do the moves that overall the pain has decreased because I'm stabilizing my joints by building up my muscles but yeah so like in between there were some times where I was definitely making it worse um but that I had to learn I had to I guess make the mistake to learn how to keep that joint where it's supposed to be I guess it's just so interesting because and obviously the context is quite specific because having iris in the class or someone else with eds means that they'll have a database of information about how to do the move in a safe way but you're doing kind of twice the work of a student without um 
these invisible disabilities because you're not just learning the moves you're learning the adapted version of the move as well it's like two different classes happening at the same time yes I mean like yes I suppose it's easier because I've been doing that for like other motions for a long time um so like easier than it would be for somebody who like I don't know like randomly EDS had appeared in their life when they started Polk I Mm. already have some things that I know how to do safely ish um but yes it is tricky it's like some things take me a lot longer to do than other students because of that but then some things uh, take me about the same length of time around Paul and also working full-time you're also a visual artist a musician performer basically a creative wizard in multiple dimensions how have you found that Paul fits into all these different things that you do so I have to be really organized (laughs) um so like I the first thing I should say is that if I don't do lots of different things I get very bored um I'm not like my day job is in science um and then so I need my not day job to be not science it needs to Mm. be creative otherwise I go a bit um I just get depressed basically Mm. um so I have like a really (laughs) it's like both flexible and inflexible um a routine so like I wake up and then I do some housework work like washing the dishes and then I shower and then I do pole and I have my pole slot in the morning where I get to do all of the pole that I want to if my body is playing ball um for pole that day and then I play the piano and then I work and then after I work I either do nothing or I paint or whatever other kind of visual art thing I feel like doing being organized is the way (laughs) (laughs) and I remember you making an Instagram video which was loosely about energy budget I think learning when you're most likely to have the spoons to be able to do something like pole or playing the piano versus when it's like just the wrong time of the day to try and do something that physical yeah so yeah that's why I do pole in the morning because by the evening it's likely that I'm either my joints are trashed or I've got bad pain or I'm too fatigued so there's like Evening is a bad time for me to do anything that I really want to do. So yeah, I do pole in the morning for that purpose. And same with piano, because it's more physical than you would um, think initially. But it does sort of take a lot of physical spoons. It's a lot of pumping on a keyboard, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. In terms of being a performer, do you think that skills you've learned on the pole or things that have come into your life through pole, have those fed into other areas of your performance life the newness is giving me like fresh takes on the other performance things that I do particularly I think um with like piano and singing because I've been doing them for such a long time I have some really bad habits like uh what kind of habits should I call it like emotional habits or like well-being habits I have like bad ones for those because I did them from when I was a kid and at that point I was you know I didn't have the skills for well-being and mental health that I do now so they have they're riddled with like not so great uh things and because I'm learning pole like after I started to think about my well-being and think about what skills I needed and what things I needed to work through it has mostly quite good habits surrounding it um like I don't know things like you know if you don't want to poll at some point that's okay we don't have to whereas 
I have like school kid mentality about piano where I'm like, if I don't want to play the piano, I have to, because otherwise I have failed at life and I'm a bad person and, and all sorts of things. So like Paul has really helped me see the spaces in my other artistic practices that are unhealthy, basically. Mm. Um, so I get to apply the stuff that I apply to Paul to those slowly. It does take some unpicking of like, oh, why am I not enjoying that? Like I'm enjoying pole if, you know, I like mm. the two things the same. Um, so it's really good as a comparative. Um, and then in general, the way I create things is sort of in response to other things. Like I might do a bit of pole and then put my phone with the video of the pole on the piano stand and then improvise to the pole thing that I'm doing and then maybe cool. I put those together yeah it's fun and then I'll like paint something in response to the them together or and always vice versa is also um stuff that I do so like they're very interwoven in that way as well that's so cool so you mentioned the example of not being tyrannical on yourself when oh I didn't do practice and I'm a terrible person like that kind of loud critical voice um could you give me another example of a bad habit that you've had to unlearn to live better yeah sure um so (laughs) this one is really specific um to the way I grew up around music so like my mum is a musician and my sister is a singer and music was so much part of the way I grew up and I've been playing the piano since I was like six so there's not much of my life that I remember without music being like a really big part just meant that basically my self-esteem was very linked to piano or to singing so if that went wrong it sort of it felt like some part of my identity was wrong or if I didn't spend enough time on it it felt like I was like losing bits of myself which wasn't true it was just that it was too interwoven into me thinking like, oh, I am the music rather than music is something that I do. Um, So Paul helped me unlearn that because obviously I did not have the same mad emotional link um, to Paul as I did to music, which is sort of a thread throughout my childhood. Um, So being able to see how much Paul, like making a mistake in Paul did not feel awful. It just felt like, oh, I made a mistake, that's chill. I'll relearn it. And I was looking at piano, like, why can't I do the same? Like, why is this so anxiety riddled? Um, So yeah, that was something I also uh, sort of unpicked when I looked at them uh, at the same time and realized how (laughs) unhealthy it is to think that music is my identity. What lessons from living with chronic pain and the things you've described do you share with other pole dancers, either people who also have invisible disabilities or um, or people who don't? The main one is probably about that don't be too hard on yourself kind of thing. Because um, I know how before I was diagnosed um, and before I started pole, I remember how difficult exercise was even when my body it sort of allowed me to do it because as soon as I did too much exercise, my body would be like, nope, um, for a few weeks. And then any kind of routine that I'd set up would disappear. And I have the kind of brain that basically just refuses to do things if you don't either make it like super fun and interesting or put it in a routine. Like anything Mm. that's like vaguely repetitive has to be in a routine or I won't do it. Um, So 
that was a really hard thing to sort of make regular because of how my body responded to exercise. Um, and it was only when I learned to be sort of kinder to myself about needing time off um, that I managed to make it a routine because when you kind of accept that, um, how to put this, when you accept that you can't do something every day, it makes it easier to look for other ways to form the habit um, because you're not just railing against yourself. You're looking for solutions. So like, for example, if I'm not having a good pole day, I may still go and do my warm up um, just because it sort of keeps me in the habit of after I shower, I go do some pole um, or even just go to the room and like do my shoulder engagement. And that takes like 30 seconds, um, but it keeps the habit there. And I'm not, you know, being mean to myself for not having the spoons or energy to do the poll uh, I'm just doing it so yes I think that's probably my advice like if you want to be able to do poll exercise every day but your body is just doing a nope um, just do what it can do and then come back tomorrow oh my god what an amazing soundbite that's incredible <laughs> advice <laughs> I've seen that you are working with a cabaret called Disabilities as well and are taking part in more. Are those performances or workshops or what's what's the setup? So that was that was a one time jam, although I would be totally happy to do the um, anything with disabilities mm. again because they are amazing. And Little Peaches, who runs it, is just an awesome human being. Yeah. Um, but that was just a one off thing for the Burlesque Hall of Fame. They had like a 48 hour nonstop burlesque online festival wow um it was cool um and the and disabilities had a slot um so basically little peaches had to sort of scramble and find a bunch of performers that could give something and not that much notice um so I got to do that because of the last minute thing so it worked out perfectly for me um that was really cool <laughs> what from your point of view, is the most common misconception that people have about invisible disabilities? I find this question really hard. And it's so it's just because like I not that I don't have any misconceptions about other dis people's disabilities. I'm sure that I must. Um, but I find it really difficult to put myself in the heads of people that are more likely to have misconceptions, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, Yes. So basically, I don't know. I suppose I asked because I understood that one of the motivations behind disabilities and I have friends who organize shows with Invisible Cabaret, who are another like cabaret burlesque collective who, um, yeah, like talk about invisible illnesses and a challenging stigma. And their remit is to yeah, challenge misconceptions. So yeah, no, I was just wondering if part of your thinking behind getting involved um, in that was to smash that or just like, no, fuck it, I'm going to do a show, lols. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I like talking about disability a lot, but it's a well-being thing for me to be talking to other disabled people, not to abled people um, in general. And I think mm. that's just because like, I feel like as a minority, I spend so much time having to correct other people, um, particularly around, usually it's around race, um, that it's just exhausting. 
Uh, and I basically just like don't want to talk to those people anymore. <laughs> I just want to avoid the people who have like too many misconceptions uh, and just talk to other disabled people or like other people of color or other queers. Um, and then we can be happy and leave the silly people um, elsewhere. And like <laughs> that doesn't mean I like totally, I have so much respect for the people, for the disabled people who spend their social media time like t- educating abled people. Um, but I just find that too emotionally exhausting basically Mm. yeah it is a choice to decide to become an outward facing advocate and try and bring in allies versus because the videos that you make are sharing really useful resources as well like it's practical stuff that's not about um yeah like changing the structure of society but helping people on a day-to-day basis with small things that can make their lives better yeah and I, I I enjoy that like I enjoy being able to use the experiences I've had to help other disabled people or some people wouldn't consider themselves disabled but maybe like neurodivergent people that might find some of my brain fog um stuff useful uh for other reasons like helping those people makes me really happy <laughs> I'd like to ask a slightly more existential question about more abstracted forms of pain because I really love these. Um, I think they're so funny and cool. You make music and various performance pieces about your experience that you mentioned of living at the intersection of various forms of oppression. So you mentioned race, gender, disability. So when you are transforming these into something funny or just art, what is your process of taking a negative experience and turning it into something else? So it's, I was thinking about this and it it has changed a lot over the years Um, because the, when I started this poll Insta, it had, it didn't start as a poll Insta. It started, it's called, it is my body because it started. And I don't know if I should insert a content warning here, um, content warning for uh, sexual assault. Uh, Basically I was at a kink club uh, and I was non-consensually touched and I have panic attacks around those kinds of things. So I had a huge panic attack and it was not a very pleasant evening. Um, and then I, I left it feeling really gross and I hated the outfit I was wearing. And then I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to play this narrative in my head about not wearing certain clothes because they'll cause harassment or assault. And I was like, so annoyed with the fact that even after having to deal with assault I was um playing those victim blaming narratives in my own mind that I made the insta to sort of like basically be screaming at myself like no (laughs) no 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 it's your body it's not anybody else's fuck them um so at the beginning I was basically talking to myself um that's how the artistic process ran like shit I needed to say to myself I made art to basically drill it in um but it's different now (laughs) yeah it started that way but it's so different now because I I I guess I've gotten better at saying those things to myself automatically um 
so I don't need the art in that way anymore. Um, and it's gone through lots of stages. Like for a while I was doing that advocacy thing and needing to rail at ableist, racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic people um, on that in-store or on other mediums. And I needed to do that for a while. I needed to say things and be heard. Um, and then also now that need has changed. And so my so has my art changed. Um, and now I think lots of my art is me saying that I've got all of these minority statuses and people are shitty um, in the world, but where am I going to find my joy? Where am I going to find my well-being? What things can I do that make me happy or that make me fulfilled? And so the art that I make, be it music or pole or visual art or whatever I'm feeling that day, is basically answering that question um what is going to bring me joy mm. um and joy that is I should sort of clarify there that I don't mean literally the emotion of happy because sometimes the joy is letting out a big pluff fluff mm. for want of a better word of sadness um but it's cathartic so it still counts as joy in this conception of joy if that mm. makes any sense. Yes, yeah, so much. I'm so interested in how, without getting fixated on one Instagram account, because that's not the sole vehicle of where you make things, yeah. but how that, um, the intention behind that tool evolved from, would you call it a personal accountability tool of yeah. saying things to yourself? And now it speaks to other people or is it still kind of doing both? I think it's doing... It's not doing accountability anymore, I don't think, but it's still talking to both myself and other people. Um, and it brings me happiness to be able to share things I've learned about disability. So even though I'm talking to other people, it's still kind of for me also. And I think I've said in a lot of the videos that it's so useful to like have to conceptualize shit that goes on in my head that's not necessarily verbalized or if it is not in a way that other people would be able to interpret well um, mm. to something where I actually have to explain myself uh, and then I learn about that thing while I'm explaining myself and then sometimes it helps me because I'm reminding myself of things that I know I should be doing but I forget or you know like well-being practices they're a practice you have to like keep doing them they're never going to be like 100% easy and I guess yes I'm doing it for other people but also for for me to remind myself of things yeah hard relay it's such a tempting notion that at some point it's like you've sort of passed on the <laughs> well-being thing and you're just like wearing robes like somewhere blah 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 instead of it being an everyday set of habits that I definitely just forget stuff all the time and have to yeah, yeah. kind of start from first principles yeah, exactly. It would be nice. Like I was imagining sort of like those golden robes when you were talking, just like, I am Zen. I have solved all of my health, mental health problems, well-being, all of it's fine. Yeah. No, yeah. Unfortunately. No. Still in the swamp. No robes. Yeah. The robes are tattered in a pile. Yes. I mean, like occasionally the robes look amazing, but yes, they are not the Zen kind. Um. So do you have any main influences as a creative person, either musically, dance-wise or visually? I 
always find this question difficult because basically I'm like a magpie a sponge a mm. something a vampire maybe I don't know like I <laughs> like everything around me I steal from basically um I should mention my mother because she's probably primary um inspiration for because as I mentioned before she's a, a musician so like all of my music like it comes from her obviously I've added shit and other people have added shit but it that's where it it started um and she's also a playwright so like she does so much in terms of words that helps me with my words um and she's badass so uh so I should definitely mention her um and then I guess just the people I spend the most time with, I, I steal from a lot. Like I mentioned, the partner that got me into poll. Um, mm. We live together and we share the poll and we show each other our poll videos or like little bits and bobs and be like, oh, can you help me with this? Like, did that look right? Or what's this missing? Um, mm. So they are like invaluable. Um, and I guess I get, I collect <laughs> creatives like as friends or partners or, and then just like, use them to bounce off of then I hope I give back um mm. obviously like as much as I take in um but yes I guess that's not that useful because people can't just go look at those people and be like oh, I want to be inspired by them too I mean I suppose I could I could list their names um no but it's, it's a very truthful answer and it's the driving reason that people sometimes come to certain cities or book themselves on certain courses or find communities is you want to surround yourself with the people who you're going to have those ideas bouncing off sessions and yeah 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 I mean I kind of feel like um without wanting to sound too much like a deranged workaholic I'm usually at my happiest when I'm making a project with my friends and it's like those are real friendships not just like oh I've put you around me because I find you useful it's like no 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 there's like love relationships and friendship relationships with these people and it also is like a really fun uh mucking around sort of space that's I I feel the same way because like every time it's my birthday I like casually make it into some kind of making project (laughs) I'm like come to my house and we'll make this thing um I just really like creating with people that I like and love it's like one of my favorite things to do a couple of quick fire questions to wrap favorite pole move because I really like falling uh you know when you just do like a pole move where basically you just grip something and then just flop and then it turns into something pretty I think the Juliet um Mm. which I know some people call something else but I can't remember what the other thing is every move Um, has like 35 names yeah uh, uh, but the Juliet I think is my favorite Ooh, very cool favorite song to dance to I know that's a bit mean especially for someone who's musical to narrow it down that brutally but favorite song or artist or album I guess yeah this is uh, a hard one. <laughs> separate episode <laughs> yes whole episode of songs to dance to um i think can i just give like an artist Would yeah that be acceptable i really like polling to anything ella fitzgerald because she's so Ooh. amazing and jazzy gorgeous and weirdest poll experience you've had so far i haven't had very many weird poll experiences or perhaps it's just that I'm weird so lots of experiences don't (laughs) feel weird but I remember distinctly this time where I was trying to invert um 
and I was wearing a top that was not well suited to that and one of my boobs just sort of like slipped out completely and Iris was just like would you like me to poke that back in like sure and so she just sort of like prodded my boob back into its boob cage and I don't know it just stands out in my head as like oh I love this community because people will put your boob back when it falls out but also this is a bit odd um if you've got a rogue boob it will be safely rehomed no worries (laughs) exactly George Lee this has been such a great chat thank you so much for coming on the show where can people find you online and is there anything else while we're here that you'd like to promote or amplify so I mentioned the It Is My Body Insta. I also have a website um, that has stuff on it. Oh, actually, useful things it has on it. It has all the transcripts for all of the disability talks because Insta doesn't let you fit them in the Im- image description you spot. Um, so if anybody does um, need transcripts, they're all there. Um, but it's just itismybody.com. It also has like art on it and like music and other things so you can explore it. Um, but I have to say I'm not as good at keeping up with it as I am with social media um and then I also have oh I do have so the place that I'm probably going to publish this first article is on medium mm-hmm. um so I think I'm George Lubon on medium so if you follow that then when I eventually or maybe even by the time this is out I will have um actually released the article and then Yay. we'll be able to find it there. So I guess those are the three things uh, yeah, where you can find me. Website, social media handle, and Medium page. You heard them, find them online, and I hope to see you in a show soon. Paul the Other One was produced and hosted by me, Shandoxy, with original music by Amelia Baylor. You can support the podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash You can buy the pot of coffee or give us a shout out on social media. Thank you. That is mega appreciated. Also, if any of these conversations inspire you to take a poll class or to get on stage, please tag us in your videos using the handle at poll the other one. Plus, whichever guest it was who got you on the hot rod. That would make our lives. Thanks for listening. Have fun on all your sexy stick adventures and see you later. Perfect.